0: You have in front of you a message entitled Grace. Now, this is part of a series of salvation words, the great salvation words of the New Testament. I have some hole punch copies in the back if you want to keep these things. I wish that all of you would collect these things and use them for Bible studies. And you think you can't, but you could if you had to. You could if you had to. Uh, this fundamentalism series that I'm doing uh, in various places, and I think, I think I'll do it here, Lord willing. We'll take a Sunday afternoon series, and I'll just run through the whole series on Sunday afternoons. But this was something. Uh, they asked me to come to the... I was going to the Philippines with my good friend Dr. Maruyama, He had some endeavors and contacts there, and he said, will you come along? So I came along, and they said, we want you to come and explain fundamentalism to us. Well, what would you do if they asked you to do it? I think most of you would say no. And that's sad and tragic, because I didn't know what to do with that. But I said, well, I'll come and I'll do my best. So I went and I did my best and when i got done with the first series on on fundamentalism they had a lot of questions for which i had no answers and i came back and had to do some homework now are you any better than me come on how many of you ladies cooked your first meal i'm not getting ladies you're not being honest how many ladies cooked your first meal you didn't cook your first meal your second third how many of your ladies cooked your first meal i want to come on come on come on please participate Don't any of you cook? You don't cook for yourself? You don't cook for anybody else? Come on, how many of you ladies cooked your first meal? All right, how many of you had a smashing success? One? I see one hand there had a smashing, although somebody's holding that hand up. That's not voluntary. So, so, uh, how, how many, so, every preacher preaches his first sermon listen, you will never minister if you don't do it the first time you'll never witness if you don't the first do it the first time you never will and you can, you can take an outline this I don't care like this and I don't care how bad it goes the next time you'll do better and the next time you'll do better and if you will do this you will be able to have evangelistic Bible studies in a pagan culture did you hear me? It's not good enough to come to church and have pastor in us Explain it. You need to explain it. And when, when, when I have to explain it, I have to figure it out. And I'm still trying to figure this out. I said, Lord, how can I explain this word? It's the, the, one of the most common words that you and I use in our, in our Christian life and experience in our teaching of the gospel. Very common word. But it is a concept that is extremely difficult to grasp. Extremely difficult to grasp. That There is a breadth and a depth that, that is involved in this concept that is unbelievable. We just sang the song, And Can It Be? Well, that song is a song that is in awe and wonder. How, if we put it in modern English, how in the world could God ever do this? Isn't that right? I mean, that's what we just sang. How in the world? Can God take, uh, save me and, and, and keep me and, and take me to heaven? How in the world can God do that? That is amazing. We sang Amazing Grace. And, and, and it, it is utterly, it, it's unspeakably glorious. It cannot be fathomed, grasped, comprehended by the human mind. We are, we are dealing with amazing, marvelous, wonderful truths from the heart and from the mind of God. For instance, for the first time in my life I sat down and I wrote a definition of grace. And I don't think you'll find this definition anywhere else. You ought to punch holes in this and keep it. You could teach about the grace of God, but I wrote this down. I've I've been thinking this word through and this concept through the Bible teaching. There's a whole doctrine of grace uh, through the Bible There's a common grace of God that everybody gives every day. God makes the sun shine on the good and the bad. That's common grace. God God provides food for billions of people around the world. It doesn't matter whether they're saved or lost. That's common grace. But then there's a special kind of grace that is given to those who receive Christ as their Savior. But what is grace? What is grace? Well, will you look at it and, and see, see, see see if I figured this thing out right. I haven't got it all figured out, but, but grace is a glorious, saving virtue toward a lost, sinful creation. God's salvation involves men, women, it involves the creation itself which will be recreated. Grace is a glorious saving virtue toward a lost sinful creation. And this saving virtue flows. Where does it from where does it come? How do you what's the source that flows out of the nature, the character and the heart of God? It is the favor of God poured out Freely, joyfully, and superabundantly upon the undeserving. Now that's the best I can do to give you a definition of grace. I think it's a good one. I think it's a good one. Somebody said grace is undeserved favor. It's more than that. It's a glorious saving virtue toward a lost sinful creation that flows out of the nature, the character, and the heart of God. If this was not in God's nature, it could not exist. Because there's nothing in us that would draw this out of the heart and mind of God. Nothing that God sees in us would cause him to be this way. For when we look at the meaning of the word, We have a concept defined down here, but let's let's look, well, let's, let's go to the concept defined. Let's look at, at Freiburg's lexicon, Freiburg, a quality that adds, what's the next word? And the next word, and the next word, and the next word, and the next word, as a what kind of attitude? Of what is felt toward another. Give me the next word. What's the next word? Is is this really Is this really God? I thought God was an angry God. I thought God was a hard master. Cashing in on all of his claims. Sending everybody to hell that got in the way. Is this really God? You're a believer. You have a bad week. What in the world is God like? Notice, let's read on, as a religious technical term for God's, what? Attitude toward whom? Human beings. Give me the next four words. Help me now, look at it. Kindness, next, next, next. What kind of a God is this? And is it possible that we could ever be forgiven for sins if God wasn't like this? And would it be possible that the that the unsaved pagan world would be in existence today if God was not like this? Briggs and Driver. Notice the Greek word is charis. That 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 uh, that he there is like a c h a r. That that row there is an r i s. charis. All right. Let's look at Briggs and Driver. All right. It is beneficent. Now, what in the world is beneficent? Well, it means inclined toward benefit, toward someone. Now, help me with these words. What's the next one? Read it. Next. 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 And help. The practical application of goodwill, a sign of favor, gracious deed, gift, benefaction, exceptional effect proved by generosity, favor. Now Thayer, this is his, this is his lexicon. Thayer, by the way, is one of, well, the, the, the next one is the one that has got the theological dictionary, but let's take Thayer. Thayer, what does he say? Properly that which affords what? Oh, what, how does God feel when he saves somebody? How does God feel when he justifies somebody? How does God feel when he forgives your sins and you confess your sins? How does he feel? Is it begrudging? He does it because he has to. What is grace? Let's read on under Thayer. Joy, pleasure. What's the next word? delight. Next. 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 The grace of speech. What is goodwill, loving kindness, favor, and a broad sense to have favor with one. Chorus is used of the kindness of a master toward his inferiors or servants, and so especially of God toward men. All right, let's take the theological dictionary of the New Testament. I have a set of these, which is about the volumes cover about this much on my shelf, and th- this is just a, this is a theological dictionary, the meaning and use of all the Greek words in the New Testament throughout the Word of God. Great great help for studying, all right? So so take a look now, because this is important. We're gonna find out what, what was the root, what was the root concept that grace captured? What What's the root meaning of this thing, okay? It's from Theological Dictionary, from Cairo, which means what? To rejoice. Oh, oh, oh. When God has grace towards sinners, he's rejoicing in doing good things for sinners. It makes his heart glad when a sinner opens up his way so that God can bless him. How does God feel when you mess it up and you go back to him and you open your mouth wide so he can bless you? How does God feel? For the next week, he's going to hold a grudge, right? What does that say? What's the root? Rejoice! This is the heart of God! This is the mind of God! Rejoice! As a phenomenon or feeling, joy is a culmination of being that raises no problems or issues as such. Wow! Wow! He's not going to let anything get in the way of pouring out his goodness upon your life if it can be done justly. Nothing will get in the way. What covers the problem with our sins when we confess them? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, does what? Cleanses us from what? Some sins. All sins. So the work of the cross, we'll find out later in this outline, that's the ground on which God can do this. God has made a way where he can take these things out of the way and bless us. Because I assume he wants to. If you want to do something very badly, what will you do to make it possible? I said very badly. How far will you go? If you want it very badly, you'll do almost anything. This is the heart and mind of God. Jesus didn't die because he had to. Jesus died because his death was in the heart and mind of God. That's where it came out of the heart and mind of God. He didn't die to get us in trouble, he died to get us out of trouble. Can I repeat that? Jesus did not die to get us into trouble with God, he died to get us out of trouble with God. So, let's go back to the theological dictionary let's start at the beginning a phenomenon phenom- phenomenon or feeling joy is a culmination of being that raises no issues as such that strains beyond itself chairo means to rejoice to be merry chairo serves as a morning greeting kara means rejoicing joy merriness what is in the heart and mind of God. What is the source of God's favor and blessing in your life? What is the source of that? The next paragraph under theological dictionary, charis is what delights. It may be a state causing or accompanying joy. It is a joyous being or charm. The element of delightful or delight in the beautiful, the favor shown by what is pleasing in it. As a mood, charis means sympathy or kindness with reference to the pleasure that is caused. In certain expressions, the idea of thanks is brought out. Okay, that's grace. That's what it means. That's what it means. Who's, Who's God? Who's God? This is His nature. Notice in the definition. I said that this flows out of the nature and the character of God. This is what He is. John said God is love. Not God is loving. God is by nature and character one who at all costs pours Himself into others and gives life and blessing to others and serves others as a slave. And Jesus, being God, dying for our sins. That is his nature to do that kind of thing. He did not do it because somebody challenged him. He did not do it because the devil made an issue of it. It is his nature to do this and to be this way. May I suggest that this kind of a God ought to be loved, thanked, praised, worshipped. Come on. Come on. Come on. We love him because he first loved us. And the grace of God ultimately flows out of the love of God. And the love of God is that attribute of God by which he is eternally moved to communicate himself to man. What a God. Now let's go back to the top of the, up, up, farther up the page, if we might. The word is used in the main in two ways. It's used theologically in some other ways, but in the main... It's used two ways. Number one, in regard to salvation. You know Ephesians 2.8. How can you explain that God would rescue you from the judgment of your sins? What in the world would motivate God to do that? Let me ask the question, what in the world does God get out of it? But a life that continues to stay in a mess and need his help and grace and blessing. What does God get out of this? God gets joy and rejoicing and blessing out of it because of his own nature. That's his nature. By grace, you're saved. Through faith. Not out. It doesn't originate within. Nothing within yourself produces this. Literally, from God, of God, it is a gift. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. That explains grace. Grace is a gift. It is a gift. How in the world could you buy this? What would it mean to God? What does it mean to God when we come to God and we think we can buy our way out of our sinfulness and our sinful condition? How in the world do we think that it's possible for us to put our good works on one side of the scale and expect that God's going to be impressed with that? Won't work. Again, Romans 6.23 defines it further. The wages of sin is death. Now the word wage here is payment. It's something you get paid for something that you do. Sin pays wages. The wages that sin pays is death, and in the Word of God, very quickly I'll just gloss over this, but in the Word of God there are three kinds of death that result because of sin. Uh, The first kind of death that results because of sin is spiritual death, the second kind is physical death, and the third kind is eternal death. The wages of sin is death. But The gift of God. New American Standard says free gift. Why does it say free gift? Because the word gift here is the word grace, charisma. It's the product of grace. It's gifted to us freely. The freely gifted to us grace of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the word is used also in regard to all of life and its needs. God is able once in a while to make some grace abound toward you. Huh? God is able to make a little bit of grace or the grace you deserve. What does it say? And how in the world could it be all grace if the heart of God had any capacity to hold anything against you that you had done? Are you listening to me? Wow. God is able to make all grace. Now, what is grace? His glorious saving, delivering virtue. His grace abound towards you. Now, may I suggest to you that if you're, what's a good illustration here? I don't know what you need in abundance. But may I say, if I put a million dollars in your bank account, would it be abounding? Maybe. God is able to make all grace, all grace, every kind of grace, all facets and dynamics of grace, abound, literally, and this I looked at this in the the, the preposition is here, abound into you. What a God. Abound into you. Wait, the translator says toward you, but it's, It is the word ace, into you, with a purpose in mind, in order that, hina, in order that, always you having all sufficiency and all things that you may abound to every good work. God does not set us out and say, now you live a good life, and you do a lot of good deeds in your life. There is no way without divine favor you can do that. So God is able to make all grace abound into you in order that you having all sufficiency in everything, you can can abound in every good deed. You can be fruitful. You can be productive in your life. You can be a blessing to those in your world. I sat down with this word and this subject and I said, how in the world? You can't plummet the depths of this word. You can't fake There's no way that our minds, as corrupted as they are by sin, there's no way we can grasp the wonder of this. We can get a glimpse of it. We can get a glimpse of it. But we can't grasp the fullness of it. Absolutely amazing. Now, the concept we've had, and we want to look at the condition defined. How is this possible for God to do this? And as, as a young Christian for years, I tried to figure this thing out. Galatians 2.20. Will you all, well, I've got perfect passive in there. Can you, can you pass that up? Will you quote with me Galatians 2.20 as I've got it in your notes there and leave out that perfect passive. You see where that is in, in brackets. Just leave that out, okay? Will you quote this verse with me? I have been crucified with Christ. Stop. How many of you feel like you've been crucified with Christ? Well, I know it. I don't know if I've ever felt like it. I feel like more like I haven't been crucified and still need to be. (laughs) I've been crucified with Christ. Boy, I labored over that. Read on. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. I, and this is a perfect passive. So let let me um, let me not forget that part of my notes. Are you okay with an English lesson in the middle of the afternoon? And by the way, after that last after that oratory, I thought you had to burp the organ. Um, but but we're here. We need to burp right now. But. Literally, perfect passive is this. I am having been crucified with Christ. It's something that happens and continues on in its effect. I am having been crucified with Christ. It it, it starts with my salvation and it never ends. This is a state in which I live as a believer. I am having been crucified with Christ. You say, now how in the world can God overlook all the nonsense in my life? And I think you live at that address. Yes or no? About three honest people in the congregation. We all live it, And how in the world can God put up with us? And how can the grace of God, how can God make all grace abound toward us? The mess we're in, how can he do this? I am having been crucified with Christ. That's the condition. And that being true, there is nothing that can stand in the way of his reaching out to you and your life in undeserved favor and blessing. And he won't let it. Now, as I understand what the word means? The note under this is, apart from the work of the cross, of our Lord Jesus, the blessings of grace could not and would not be available to us. Now, we have songs we never sing here. Somebody find the hymn number on this. In the cross of Christ I glory. What's the hymn number on that? Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Huh? 311? 311? there's just some wonderful hymns in here and nobody ever sings them because, because they don't know how precious and how wonderful and how key these, and how key these truths are. In the cross of Christ I glory, towering o'er the wrecks of time, all the light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime. When the walls of life overtake me hopes, Deceive, fears, and annoy, never shall the cross forsake me. That, that makes the grace of God available. Lo, it glows with what? Peace and joy. When the sun of bliss is beaming light and love upon my way from the cross, the radiant screaming streaming adds new luster to the day. Above all the good things, there's nothing as good and glorious as the work of the cross. Bain and blessing, pain and pleasure by the cross are sanctified pieces there that knows no measure, joys that through all time abide, the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. It ought to be precious to our hearts. We ought to value it. We ought to treasure it. But most people know nothing of it. Am I right? Am I correct? We don't understand the value of it. All of my standing, I am having been crucified with Christ. He took the sinner and everything he couldn't accept. And in an eternal, infinite act of divine judgment, he, he cleaned my clock. He put me to eternal judgment in a moment of time in his Son, Jesus Christ, upon the cross. And I was baptized to verify that fact publicly. It's the cross of Christ, and that makes the grace of God totally available it gives god the option of being gracious toward me when there is nothing in my life that says he should because that is what he is and the work of cross says the work of the cross says he can do it why has god been good so good to you and me it's not because of how well we've performed huh huh it's the work of jesus christ on the cross all right i've given you this outline before so i shall not labor long on it But the grace of God cannot be earned. It's the free gift. It's the charisma of God through Jesus Christ. Grace and works are totally incompatible. And note the note there, God is never in debt to man. He is only, and I love this, because if he was in debt to man, we would all be in trouble. He is only in debt to his own nature and to his own word underline that make special note of that learn that god will be in debt to no man it doesn't matter i've served god for how many years as a pastor 61 years now god is not in debt to me i have given away nothing that he has not first given me in these 61 years he is not a debtor to me he's not a debtor to you the only debt he has is to himself because his grace poured out in my life has made all of this possible yes or no So, God is never in debt to man. He is only in debt to his own nature and to his own word. So, in the same way, then, there must come also be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. If it's by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. And if otherwise, grace is no more grace. And grace cannot be merited or deserved. Ephesians 2 and Titus 3 cannot be exhausted. Cannot be exhausted. This is amazing. For salvation, the free gift of God is not like the transgressions. The transgressions were many, but they were limited. The grace of God by one man, Jesus Christ, is infinite and abounds toward the many. We just quoted 2 Corinthians 9. We looked at that. In 2 Corinthians 12, wonderful, wonderful verse. My grace will help you in time of need. You're not reading the notes. This was a test and you just flunked. My grace will help you in time of need. Help me. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is perfected. It's completed in weakness. Really the word is power. Dunamis. The word strength there is dunamis. It's divine power. Power is perfected. It's completed in my personal weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I'll rather, glory, I'll boast about my infirmities, my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the wealth, the wealth, the riches of his divine favor. And notice Ephesians 2.7, Ephesians 2.7, what a verse. Why does he do all of this? That in the ages to come, all of these saints might boast about what they did to earn their salvation. Are you looking at the notes? Come on, look at God's word. Get this in your heart. This is, this, this is what God has in mind for us. This comes out of the heart and mind of God. What is it? Please help me. That in the ages to come, he might what? Wow, that he might show or demonstrate the exceeding, the surpassing riches of his what? Grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's the goal of God. And he has embraced us. Listen, he has embraced every one of us in his heart and in his mind. What a God. What love. What compassion. What favor. What favor. My, I don't know how to close this sermon. There's two bullets at the bottom of the page. Jesus Christ is the ultimate manifestation of the grace of God. And he is. And he's the only channel by which we can receive the grace of God. We need to love God and reverence God. Would it be true that none but an exceeding great God could do this and be this? We need to live in awe of God. This is a day when all so-called worship has become casual in our churches. How in the world can you be casual about this? What an awesome, wonderful God. Why don't we sing together 122? 122. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured. There where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. This is hymn number two, 122. Let me find it in the book here. Pastor Kelly will lead us just an absolutely amazing song 122 do you love God is he precious to you can you listen listen hear me hear me can you trust a God like this how much can you trust him how much can you we talked this morning about faith and endurance how much can you trust a God like this let's stand together and let's sing it to the Lord and let's give our lives fresh and new to God. May the Lord encourage your hearts and every time as I'm reading through God's Word, just about every time I see that word grace, I substitute two words for it, divine favor, divine favor. Grace to you and peace from God, divine favor and blessedness and compassion from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. What in the world is in the heart of God? How could God love us like that? Amen. May the Lord encourage your hearts. Love him. Love him. Praise him. Have confidence in him. Trust him. Trust him. Father, by the Spirit of God, seal these truths through our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.